If you're a smoker or dipper looking to make a change, you really only need one reason to do it. But with Zen Nicotine Pouches, you can find many. Zen is America's number one nicotine pouch. It's made with only six simple ingredients. Plus, Zen is the only nicotine pouch with a 10-day hassle-free trial. There are lots of options when it comes to nicotine satisfaction, but there's only one Zen. Find your Zen online or in a store near you at zen.com slash find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. Amazing. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, your exercise, and medication decisions. All those decisions can lead to big results like more time in range and a lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com compatibility. Thanks, Dexcom, for being our partner. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. In the last moments, Alex Murdoch has just stepped down from the witness stand. That's right, Alex Murdoch on the stand in his own defense, waiving his right to invoke silence under the Fifth Amendment. He has been on direct examination so far. He's hitting a lot of softballs in that courtroom. We're wondering what's going to happen on cross-examination. The jury has just left the courtroom for lunch. I'm Nancy Grace. This is Crime Stories. Thank you for being with us here at Fox Nation. First of all, here's the biggest thing that happened in the courtroom as he stuttered and stammered, turned red in the face, sucked his teeth and his mouth went dry. Alex Murdoch insists he did not kill Maggie and Paul. Take a listen to our cut one. On June 7th, 2021, did you take this gun or any gun like it and shoot your son Paul in the chest in the feed room at your property off Moselle Road? No, I did not. Mr. Murdoch, did you take this gun or any gun like it and blow your son's brains out on June 7th or any day or any time? No, I did not. Mr. Murdoch, Did you take 300 blackout, such as this, and fired into your wife Maggie's leg, torso, or any part of her body? No, I did not. Did you shoot a 300 blackout into her head, causing her death? Mr. Griffin, I didn't shoot my wife or my son any time, ever. 
there you see him sucking his teeth, shaking his head up and down as if saying yes, while his mouth was saying no. He goes on to try and explain why the very night of the murders, just feet away from his wife and son's dead bodies, he started lying to police. Take a listen to our cut two. Mr. Murdoch, is that you? On the kennel video at 8.44 p.m. on June 7th, the night Maddie, Maggie and Paul were murdered. It is. Were you, in fact, at the kennels at 8.44 p.m. on the night Maggie and Paul were murdered? I was. Did you lie to Sled Agent Owen and Deputy Laura Rutland on the night of June 7th and told them that you stayed at the house after dinner? I did lie to them. Did you lie to Agent Owen and Agent Croft on the follow-up interview on June 10th that the last time you saw Maggie and Paul was at dinner? I did lie to them. And in the interview of August 11th, did you tell Agent Owen and Agent Croft, did you lie to them t by telling them that you were not down at the kennels on that night? Yes. Okay, with me an all-star panel, I'm going to take you back in the courtroom in just a moment so you can see more of Alex Murdoch's testimony on the stand. With me an all-star panel, but first I want to go out to, hold on, do we have Ann Emerson yet? No, she's making her way out, straight out to Eric Bland, connected to this case through the Satterfield family. Eric Bland, I, I, I don't get it. He started lying the very night of the murders. How could he even concoct a lie the very night of the murders? Well, guilty people always can concoct lies, uh, Nancy, and it, it, it is another lie because he had no reason to distrust the police. He was a solicitor. His grandfather, his father were solicitors. He had no reason to, to distrust SLED. There was nothing that SLED had done on the night of the murders that he would begin as lying. So the other thing that was, uh, uh, I think that was poignant was, he just turned on Michelle Smith, a lovely lady who takes care of his mother and said she lied about the blue tarp and she lied about the 30 or 40 seconds. So what we have is if the lies are told by him, there's a reason for it, there's an explanation. But if somebody else tells something that is detrimental to him, they are lying and you need to believe them. Again, he put his hand on a Bible, so we're supposed to believe him today, even though he's a thief, even though he's a drug addict. And you prosecuted many cases. There's Am two okay? people that can't there's two Not people right that can't be reformed, Nancy. Drug at, uh, thieves and pedophiles. And he's a thief. Okay, I'm trying to hear through all the commotion at the courthouse. Eric Bland, you referred to the housekeeper that Murdoch just said on the stand was lying. And I have it titled in my 20 pages of notes I've taken since he took the stand, The Blue Tarp Lie. Alex Murdoch says, I did not take a blue tarp or a rain jacket into my mom's home. Now... He also says, I never, quote, fixed witnesses or tried to influence police officers. Now, I'm telling you, number one, you're right, Bland. He is calling that lady 
a liar. And she was really convincing on the stand, one of the best witnesses they've had. And he has now opened up the door to trying to fix witnesses and influence police officers. Now, I have I got to tell you something, and this pains me as a former prosecutor. I have not been for the first time in court. I have not been impressed with the state at all because they're letting a free flow of narrative. I mean, I said earlier, what's he going to do? Talk about the first time he fell off a bike and scraped his knees when he was a little boy? I mean, how far is this going to go? There needs to be objection, 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 and breaking up that testimony. But, okay, it hasn't happened. Do you think they'll figure out that the door has been opened to influencing officers and fixing testimony? I do, and I also have been talking to uh, my friends in the courtroom Six jurors have turned away from him. So right now, half of the jurors have turned away and are not listening to him. Don't forget, every time he's wrong, he gets a free pass under his testimony. Oh, I was wrong about the timeline. I was wrong of a couple hours. But every time somebody else gives testimony that's detrimental to him, it's a lie. Nancy, I'm telling you, I trust this justice system, but we're seeing a pollution of it being done by Alex on this witness stand and his own lawyers for counting this type of false testimony. Guys, I'm hearing the other guests trying to break in. I, I want you to hear one more thing, though. Guys, uh, Christine, could you play Could you play Murdoch's testimony when he's trying to explain why he lied? This is cut three. Why did you lie to Agent Owen, Agent Croft, and Deputy Rutland about the last time you saw Maggie and Paul? As my addiction evolved over time, I would get in these situations or circumstances where I would get paranoid thinking. Uh, and it, it could be anything that, that triggered it. It might be a look somebody gave me. It might be a reaction somebody had to something I did. Um, it might be a policeman following me in, in a car. Um, that night, June 7th, after finding... Mags and Paul, Papa. Don't talk to anybody without Danny with you. So all my partners were just repeatedly telling me that. I'm sitting in a police car with David Owen asking me about my relationship with my wife and my son. And all those things coupled together after finding them, coupled with my distrust for sled caused me to have paranoid thoughts okay now, now hold on just a moment there please wow. prosecutors use what he just said didn't all the lawyers come up on the stand and state that they were there that night as friends and now when your wife and your son are dead on the the floor of the dog kennel their bodies just torn apart with bullets you're worried about telling the truth because it might make you look bad? Oh, no, no. That's the time that you tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth because you want to find the real killer. I mean, straight out to Chris McDonough, uh, high profile, former homicide investigator, now star of the interview room. Wouldn't you think if... I'm just telling you, I would tell the police whatever they wanted to know right then because I would want their killer caught. 
a, a thousand percent, Nancy. I mean, you you can't script this. Uh, the, what he's doing uh, from the get go is he is his testimony is based upon the investigative facts that he has learned up to this date, and he, you know, by pulling in the fact that that the very first words out of his mouth, which could backfire a thousand percent for the defense uh, to take on right away, you know, did you lie that evening? I mean, we're watching uh, in real time the way he adapts, the way he uh, deflects, calculates, and then qualifies his answers. And we would call this guy the helper or the salesman. And those five steps to a sale, prospect, personalize, promote, create, and close, all he's looking for is one juror to close by, by his testimony today. Okay, Eric Bland. Now, Eric, this yes, is a yes, no answer, okay? Did you think Murdoch was going to take the stand? No. Okay, I'm with you on that. I thought he may believe he was smart enough to outsmart everybody in the courtroom and want to take the stand, but I thought Hart Poulian would, you know, strong arm him not to take the stand. But when he announced, when they announced that their client wanted to take a bathroom break before the next witness, I'm like, mm, he's taking a stand. He is taking, why else would he want a bathroom break before an extended period of time on the stand? Um, you know, I, I'm thinking about yeah, what's elaborate. really happening here, Eric. Eric I, I think this is what's happening. Yeah, go ahead. Ordinarily, there isn't a defense attorney in the world that would recommend to his client under these circumstances, given all the other 404B evidence that has come in. And once you get on the stand, you waive your fifth to take the stand. However, I think in Alex's mind, he's saying, Nancy, look, I'm going to be convicted of all the financial crime stuff and I'm going to get LWAP life without parole probably on that stuff. So what do I have to lose? That's kind of, I believe, his thought process. I think it's bad because if you get convicted of murder, it's 30 to life. And I think this judge, if he gets a conviction on murder, is going to give him life. Whereas under the financial crimes, maybe he gets 40 years, maybe he gets 30. Then you get in state time, 52% time off. He gets out maybe when he's 67, 60, 70 years old. I think it was the worst decision by lawyers I've ever seen. But I could be proven wrong Eric, if there's that one juror. Eric, let's just get real. Are you telling me that the state of South Carolina would keep a thief in jail and use up bed space when they want to put a child molester, a killer, a serial killer, somebody that's a bomber or an arsonist? Oh, no. They're taking that bed. And the thief, the white-collar criminal... They're getting out. He won't be in there 15 years. He won't even be in there 10 years on $9 million theft. That's not going to happen. Do I like it? No. Is it true? Yes. He'll probably get out on all that theft in about eight, nine years max because they need the bed space. That's the harsh reality. Your tax refund belongs to you, not an identity thief. Over $6 billion in tax refunds were flagged by the IRS for possible identity theft in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. 
LifeLock monitors and alerts you to identity threats you may miss on your own, even if you're careful with your personal information. And if you do become the victim of tax-related identity fraud, LifeLock has U.S.-based restoration specialists ready to help solve your identity theft issues. Plus, all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package, meaning LifeLock will reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Let LifeLock help you protect your financial information so all you have to worry about is what to do with your tax refund. Go to LifeLock.com iHeart and save up to 25% your first year. That's 25% off at LifeLock.com iHeart. Identity theft protection starts here. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. If you're a smoker or dipper looking to make a change, you really only need one reason to do it. But with Zen Nicotine Pouches, you can find many. Not only did Zen create the first ever nicotine pouch, we're still America's number one choice for smoke-free, spit-free nicotine satisfaction. It could be because Zen is made with only six simple ingredients, including naturally derived nicotine salt. Or maybe it's because Zen is the only nicotine pouch with a 10-day trial. For anyone worried Zen won't cut it like traditional tobacco, just ask one of the millions of people who have achieved lasting change. You have lots of options when it comes to nicotine satisfaction, but there's only one Zin. Find your Zin online or in a store near you at zin.com slash find. That's zyn.com slash find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Now, this is what I was going to tell everybody, everybody on the panel, jump in on this. This is what's happening. The defense waits. They listen to the state's case. They write down everything they need to explain away, and you practice, practice, practice with the client. Then you put him on the stand, and you have him respond to all of those issues. This testimony is carefully constructed after the defense has seen the state's case and now they are responding to issues brought up by the state that is what is happening right now eric could you explain that yeah it's a total rehearsed broadway performance and like uh the first uh guest said he's been crafting this story over the last two years as he's learned more and more evidence however his answers are too polished and and there's 24 ears and 24 eyes on that jury and they can smell the bs meter a mile away and it's just too many coincidences too many explanations i don't believe it's going to hold water however there could be one juror but i also disagree with you on the aspect of the sentencing. Don't forget that the federal government is waiting to charge him on all the money laundering crimes. Well, that's a whole other thing. The reason they're not doing you know, that you is get the because feds in it and he's 
he's looking at serious jail time. But if it's just state theft, oh yeah, he'll be out seven or eight years. Now, I can tell you this. According to Alex Murdoch, he was, quote, afraid and distrustful of sled law enforcement the night of the murders. But as Bland has just pointed out, he was a local solicitor, a prosecutor. You're not afraid of the cops. They're your best witnesses on the stand. So why was he afraid of them now, lo and behold, the night of the murders? I want you to hear him talking about his paranoid thoughts in our cut three. Why did you lie to Agent Owen, Agent Croft, and Deputy Rutland? about the last time you saw Maggie and Paul? As my addiction evolved over time, I would get in these situations or circumstances where I would get paranoid thinking. Uh, and it, it could be anything that, that triggered it. It might be a look somebody gave me. It might be a reaction somebody had to something I did. Um, it might be a policeman following me in, in a car. Um, that night, June 7th, after finding Mags and Paul, 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 don't talk to anybody without Danny with you. All my partners were just repeatedly telling me that. I'm sitting in a police car with David Owen asking me about my relationship with my wife and my son. And all those things coupled together after finding them coupled with my distrust for SLED, caused me to have paranoid thoughts. Caused me to have paranoid thoughts. But he didn't have any paranoid thoughts until he got in the car with the police. Then he started lying. Um, Nancy. Yeah, jump in quickly. Can you imagine a solicitor telling the world I shouldn't cooperate with the police when my wife and my son are murdered? Can you imagine a, a lawyer who took an oath to uphold the Constitution and the law, and he's a solicitor, is advocating from the witness stand, don't cooperate with the police when your wife and son are murdered. You know, another thing I noticed, joining me, I'm hearing in my ear right now, Ann Emerson is with us, senior investigative reporter, WCIV, and star of Unsolved South Carolina, the Murdoch Murders, Money, and Mystery. And another thing I saw him doing very artfully is explaining why he didn't hear the gunshots. He said that and it was very circuitous. He claimed that Maggie had asked him to come out to the kennel. Don't know why. And that he had said no. That he and Maggie had eaten and he had been sweating. Took a shower. He laid down on the sofa. But then suddenly he has a change of heart and goes to see his mom. Now listen to this. He said he laid down. He just artfully wove this in. I had the air conditioner going. The TV was always going. And I just left to go see my mom. And then I texted them, why not just go down to the kennel and go, hey, I'm leaving, guys. Because that did not fit into his scenario. I mean, he laid it all out. And I had the air conditioning going, so I couldn't hear. The TV was going, so I couldn't hear. 
He laid it all out very artfully, Anne. He absolutely did, Nancy. And if you're watching him, he's watching the jurors. That's what he was doing. He is absolutely, you know, trying this case, right? He is a lawyer on the stand. So he's looking at the jury the entire time, gauging their reaction, waiting for good pauses. He's been working on this story since he felt like he needed to. As soon as he needed to come up with all of these, uh, to weave in all of this information that you're talking about, from the television that was on to the AC, it just fits perfectly with what he needs the jurors to understand about what was going on that night. So it is absolutely, um, it, it is absolutely, feels very much um, a story that he has been able to work through in his mind and get to where he needs to and felt like he was ready to do it today. So he went off. Guys, I got to tell you something. As much as I think Alex Murdoch murdered his wife and son, he is doing a really good job on the stand. Now, granted, this is direct examination. It's rehearsed. He knows exactly what's going to come next, and he's doing a good job. And like Ann Emerson is saying, he's looking right at the jury, right in the face like a snake charmer, going back and forth. He says something. He watches their reaction. Then he says something else. Then he watches their reaction. He's looking right at them. And if you've been in that courtroom, you know he's only about maybe... 10, 12 feet away from them. He's up close and personal with the jurors. Now, take a listen to our cut seven as he is describing his wife, now dead, asking him to come down to the kennels. Our cut seven. Maggie wanted to go to the kennels. I had eaten dinner. I laid back on the couch where I was sitting. Uh, Maggie wanted to go to the kennels and she asked me to go. And and I didn't, I didn't go at that time. I didn't want to go. Why, why didn't you want to go? It was hot. Um, I just had a shower. I knew I'd end up doing more work, sweating more. The dogs is always a chaotic scene, and I just didn't want to go right then. She left and Paw was gone. And did you stay in the house? Yes. For how long? Not long. I laid back on the couch, put my feet up, and like many times when Maggie asked me to do something that I didn't want to do or didn't start out doing, I changed my mind and decided I'm going to ride up there. And I did. And how, how did you get to the, to the kennels? I went on a golf cart. Which would explain why we don't see his car door open up and close or any movement on the GPS system. Now, am I supposed to believe that he took a shower that night before 9 o'clock and that the next day, well into the next day, when the housekeeper gets there, she finds water still around the, the, the floor. Is that what we're supposed to believe? But now I want you to listen how comfortable he is as he's talking about something I don't think he's lying about. And that would be uh, the kennels, the sunflowers, the dogs. All of that, which may have actually been true. He doesn't look away. He doesn't turn red. He doesn't suck on his lips. His mouth doesn't go dry. Take a listen to our cut eight. Grady's chasing the guineas. Paul's fooling with Rogan's dog, Cash. Maggie's just kind of standing there watching the dogs. Bubba catches the chicken. What did you do after you got the chicken out of Bubba's mouth? I got out of there. I, I 
I, I left. I went back to the house. And what did you do when you got back to the house? I lay down on the couch. I'm not positive I dozed off for a minute or didn't doze off for a minute, but uh, I got up off of the couch uh, and I was... I made up my mind I was going to visit my mom. Okay, straight out to Dr. Angela Arnold, renowned psychiatrist at AngelaArnoldMD.com. Weigh in, Dr. Angie. You know, Nancy, one of the things that I'm wondering about is this paranoia that he talks about. And if he was so paranoid, then I do not understand why he wasn't paranoid when he came upon his dead son and wife that someone was going to be laying in wait to kill him. I don't understand why he wasn't scared about that. And you, you, know, you can't turn paranoia on and off. Also, I completely agree with you, Nancy. It's funny how there will be times when he's running through his repertoire about what, going on, what went on, and it does sound a little bit more believable, but I think he talks too much. I think I think that's why they're letting him talk. He says things that maybe he shouldn't be saying. And he's giving people more information than, than they're even asking for. I find that very interesting also, and I think that they're going to use that against him at some point. But the paranoia, the paranoia is a big thing. Does he turn his paranoia on and off? And why wasn't he scared that he was going to be shot when he came across their two bodies at the kennel? Yeah, you know, Dr. Michelle Dupree, uh pathologist, medical examiner, former detective, Dr. Dupree, his paranoia that evening only sets in when the cops start talking to him. I mean, if you're paranoid because of drugs, wouldn't you be crazy paranoid when you find two dead bodies and run from the scene and go hide in the car or get away? I mean, if you're paranoid due to drug addiction... He seemed to hold it in check to call 911 and speak coherently on the phone. But when the cops start questioning him, the paranoia sets in. Exactly, Nancy. Again, I think this whole thing is bogus. I think that he has a very carefully crafted explanation for the discrepancies in the state's case. I think that he is too emphatic when he makes the denials of some of these things. And I think that he is trying so hard to discredit some very, very credible witnesses like Shelley. I don't think it's really working. I hope the jury can see through this because when he does talk about the sunflower field and other things, it just rolls right off the tongue very easily, but not so much when you start talking about the details of what really happened that night. Yeah, you know what, Dr. Michelle Dupree, you're right. Take a listen to Hour Cut 5. It's exactly what she just said. I'd known that CB, the guy that worked for us, had sprayed the sunflowers. I, I, I knew about that, but I, I'd been out of town. I didn't know they were dead. Paul let me know they had died. So we had to replant the dove field. Just a big, big social part of, 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 of having property. People would come. And so the dove field was a big deal. So when, when the sunflowers got killed, Paul was, when we knew they were dead, Paul was coming home. Mr. Murray, you can take a 300 blackout such as this and fire it into your wife Maggie's leg, torso, or any part of her body? No, I did not. Did you shoot a 300 blackout into her head, causing her death? Mr. Griffin, I didn't shoot my wife or my son any time. 
ever. I hear Eric Bland jumping in. Go ahead, Eric. There's two things that I think are really important. One happened uh, with Nolan Tootin, the witness before Alex this morning, that is really interesting. He confirmed that no one would ever know where Paul would be staying. He could be staying in Charleston, Somerville, Columbia, Greenville. So how would a killer know where he was going to be that night in order to come and kill him because of the boating accident? That's number one. And number two, the, the thing that really bothers me more than anything, Alex called 13 different people and texted four different people, including Paul's best friend, three times and called him before he called his only living son, Buster, 40 minutes later to tell him that his his mother and brother were killed were killed i find that very curious i want to follow up on what you just said eric bland and emerson i want you to take a listen to our cut 13. now now think about what eric bland just pointed out and he's right if this was somehow a hit on paul murdoch because of the boat crash killing mallory beach and Maggie just happened to be there at the time, how would anyone have known how to find Paul Murdoch? And I want you to take a listen, him already developing an alternate reality in our cut 13. Listen. Oh, Allie. We just heard you say, I should have known. What are you referring to? I said, Paul, Paul, I should have known. What were you referring to? I was referring to Paul, Paul got so many threats. Didn't take serious. Think twice about. So I'm just telling him, Paul, Paul, I should have known. What, what kind of threats did you understand? Paul was receiving. He got the most vile threats. I mean, the stuff that was on social media. You couldn't believe it. It was so over the top. Truthfully, we didn't think anything about it. Eric Bland, that's exactly what you were talking about. If there were threats that they were so afraid of, why didn't they go to police? He is the police, Nancy. He's the solicitor. He controls the entire department. Everybody who works for the police department knows the Murdoch's. They are 100-year solicitors. If my son or my daughter were threatened, the first call I would make is to the police to go on record about it. It doesn't make any sense because it's not true. They didn't, listen. You know what, I just want to. They didn't introduce go one ahead, single there were, they didn't inter, The defense has not introduced one single social media text message or Instagram or Facebook that Paul was under threats. And Alex said it was all over the Internet and all over social media. All they had to do was show us that. You know, another thing, Eric Bland, it is unconstitutional as interpreted by case law, for the state to comment on a defendant's right to remain silent. However, if they bring up witnesses that can bolster or corroborate their story and then don't produce those witnesses, the state can attack it. And this is exactly what's happening here. All of these, quote, vile threats on Paul after the boat crash, 
who, what, where, why, why didn't you go to cops? I will be stunned if the state doesn't pick up on that and tear him a new rear end, Eric. I agree. Go ahead. Nancy. Let's guest talk. <laughs> I, I wanted to, I wanted to like pop in there for a second. You know, I've got a teenager. Um, you're going, you know, through that as well, Nancy, with, with social media, I bet. You know, what we have learned is that the kids are tracking each other all the time. So that's a that's there's there's two sides of that coin, right? One of which is, yes, it, I think the defense could show that his friends knew exactly where Paul was at any given time because he's on Snapchat all the time. And that's how, you know, people find teenagers these days. Like they know where they are because, you know, because of Snapchat. So I don't think that's a huge mystery. Uh, what, what I do think is uh, very mysterious is what Eric Bland brought up. Uh, he was it, very astute and saying, you know, well, then why aren't they pulling all of the social media? I was thinking the same thing as we were sitting in there. If I'm thinking it, Eric's thinking it, you know the jury's thinking it. Guys, uh, we see Alex Murdoch repeatedly lying to police, but he is blaming his, quote, drug-induced paranoia and his fear and distrust of law enforcement as to why he lied. But I find it very curious to Chris McDonough, former homicide detective handling literally hundreds of homicides, that while his wife and son were lying there dead, he had the wherewithal to suddenly distrust them and lie. That's my big concern, that he is lying almost immediately about the events that night. I mean, because it would be very important, wouldn't it, Chris McDonough, to be able to tell the cops, hey, they were alive at 8.47 because I was in the kennel and there's a Snapchat to show it. There's a video to show it. There's a message to Rogan, Rogan Gibson, showing what time they were last alive. So whoever killed them had to be watching because then I left to go to my mom's and when I get back one hour later, they're dead. So you need to go check the parameters. You need to check uh, ring doorbell cams in the area. Anything to figure out who could have been watching me leave. You're a, you're a thousand percent right again, Nancy. I mean, and, and if we think about overlaying the statement, apology statement is what we'll call it, uh, while he was in rehab uh, to the sled officers, you, you see the same type of behavior taking place there as you saw you know, taking place when he first took the stand. I, I made a list today of uh, some of the, the simple phrases that he uses, and I'm hoping the, the prosecutor's on target here, and I can only imagine if uh, what you're thinking if you had a chance, but, but listen to this short list real fast. Unintentional, I think, I believe, I don't know, not exactly sure, I don't remember. Sure helps looking at the records, can't tell unless I had the details. And the list goes on, and that's the short list. This guy is lying every second of the moment he opens his mouth. I'll, I'll just well, I'm very decree. surprised the state is kicked water. back like they're lounging on a recliner. They, I would have thought, would be pacing back and forth like a tiger, waiting to jump in every time they can make an objection. Hold on, I think I've still got Eric Bland with me. What were you saying? Yes, I just uh, wrote that list down and I just sent it to uh, Solicitor Waters. Uh, I've been communicating with him every single day and he welcomes everything that anybody wants to give him and he reads it and he comments back. Okay, you know, thank you for that. Guys, we're taking you back into the courtroom. 
to hear what Alex Murdoch said on the stand. Now, remember, this is under direct examination. I hope he will be questioned severely on cross-exam. Right now, he's tailoring all of his testimony to respond to issues brought up by the state in their case. Take a listen to our cut four. On June the 7th, I wasn't thinking clearly. I don't think I was capable of reason. And I lied about being down there. And I'm so sorry that I did. I'm sorry to my son, Buster. I'm sorry to Grandma and Papa T. I'm sorry to both of our families. Most of all, I'm sorry to Mags and Paul Paul. I would never intentionally do anything to hurt either one of them. Ever. Straight out to Ann Emerson joining us, WCIV, ABC. Ann, okay, hold on. Satellite down on Ann. You know, I'm very curious as to how the jury is responding to what he is saying on the on the stand. Um, you know, very often to you, Dr. Michelle Dupree, you've been in so many courtrooms that the jurors don't know how to respond. But when you have jurors actually looking away from the defendant, that's a very bad sign. Absolutely, Nancy. And, you know, he just continues to lie. He lied about not ever wearing the blue raincoat. And yet the DNA, when they tested that for possession or ownership of that, it clearly came back to Alex. I mean, this is another blatant lie. And his testimony is just filled with those. You know, I'm very curious, Chris McDonough, uh, about the nonverbal messages that are being sent in the courtroom and how the jury may be responding. They can't take notes. They're not taking notes like we are. What do you make of how he is addressing the jury so carefully? Well, he is uh, very specific about how he's answering his questions. And that uh, comes from, obviously, years of experience uh, in a courtroom. Uh, what's really interesting about that last clip you just played is he was very methodical on how he answered it. However, he used the word intentionally. I would never intentionally. So what does that mean? Does that mean he unintentionally did something? Does it mean his paranoia took over? Uh, I think the prosecutor should really go after that, that comment right there. Uh, and that may break him loose into a thought process that he wasn't anticipating. Correct. I mean, I wonder if it's dawned on the jurors that he is behaving this way because he's under the influence of opioids. Can't they connect two plus two equals four? What else would he do if he was high on drugs? Would he commit a double murder? Let's take a listen to more in our cut six of how Murdoch is explaining away issues brought up by the state. The clothes that we saw in that Snapchat video was, uh, is that the clothes you had at work that day? 
Yes. That, those are the clothes I had on at work that day. On, on June 7th, how tall were you and how much did you weigh? I'm, I'm six, a little, I'm a hair over 6'4", right at 6'4". On June the 7th, I was about 265 pounds, 264, 265. When you're outside, riding around, and doing some, do you get hot and sweaty? Absolutely. I mean, Paul and I had done some things. We'd, 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 we'd unloaded the bulldozer, cleaned the bulldozer, we'd fooled around. Yeah, I mean, I sweated. I was... You know, I was heavy and uh, taking prescription pills also makes you sweat worse, or at least taking oxycodone makes you sweat. So was it unusual for you to take a shower when you got back to the house? Not at all. After you took a shower, what did you change into? I changed into the clothes that you've seen in this trial shorts and the shirt okay there we see him very calmly explaining away the wardrobe change okay the wardrobe change how did that strike you eric bland uh just just another one of his lies he's saying that he sweats a lot it, it, it was a benign change of clothes nancy you know they're going to use the drug use to their advantage but let me explain something, and you can say it better than anybody. The jails are full of people who take drugs and commit crimes. No state has a defense of criminality because I'm on drugs. He knew enough to steal from his clients for 20 years. He knew enough to lie to all his law partners and family and friends. Nancy, I know we're frustrated because we're seeing a lack of objection, but there's so much fodder for cross-examination I'm confident that Creighton Waters will bring the heat. Well, he's done a great job so far. And, you know, I've gotten tons of emails. We're looking at everything on social media. So many people believe he's doing a good job on direct. And I've got to tell you, I agree with you. I'm picking it apart because that's what I'm trained to do. I'm seeing lies and inconsistencies. I'm seeing him tailoring his direct examination to address the issues brought up by the state, explaining them away. That's what I see happening. But he's coming across, I believe, fairly well. But is it enough to explain away the fact that it is not feasible for him to be at the scene of the murders minutes Minutes, three or four minutes before the murders. Then he miraculously leaves and he escapes murder. And then he comes back within the hour and lo and behold, he finds the bodies and immediately starts lying. Is it feasible that Maggie's phone was traveling? What was it traveling, Sydney? Was it traveling at 45 mile, miles an hour? Was her phone traveling along with him? And then as his car shows, it slows down long enough to throw a phone out the window. Can his testimony overcome that? Well, as a matter of fact, if the jury grows to like him, if the jury grows to believe that he is credible, yes, it can overcome even the facts in this case. He even addresses a Google search he does just a few feet away from his wife and son's body. Take a listen to our cut 14. There's an indication, Alec, that 
at 102209, you opened a group text message from Michael Gunn stating, she brought the heat for Miami boys. Were you reading text messages from Michael Gunn right after you got off with the 911 operator? I heard them ask that question. I can promise you I wasn't reading any text messages. At 10.40 p.m., you did a Google search or a Safari browser search for Whaley's at Edisto while your wife and son are laying dead on the ground. Did you do that? No. Whaley's is a restaurant at Edisto that we ate at. A lot of times we got takeout from a lot of times, so I'm assuming it was in my search history, pulling up the restaurant, and I obviously was trying to call people or dialing, and I, I hit that. I wasn't doing any Google searches. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation blogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. If you're a smoker or dipper looking to make a change, you really only need one reason to do it. But with Zen nicotine pouches, you can find many. Not only did Zen create the first ever nicotine pouch, we're still America's number one choice for smoke-free, spit-free nicotine satisfaction. It could be because Zen is made with only six simple ingredients, including naturally derived nicotine salt. Or maybe it's because Zen is the only nicotine pouch with a 10-day trial. For anyone worried Zen won't cut it like traditional tobacco, just ask one of the millions of people who have achieved lasting change. You have lots of options when it comes to nicotine satisfaction, but there's only one Zinn. Find your Zinn online or in a store near you at zincom slash find. That's ZYN.com slash find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. There's an indication, Alec, that at 10.22.09, you opened a group text message from Michael Gunn stating, she brought the heat for Miami boys. Were you reading text messages from Michael Gunn right after you got off with the 911 operator? I heard them ask that question. I can promise you I wasn't reading any text messages. At 10.40 p.m., 
you did a Google search or a Safari browser search for Whaley's at Edisto while your wife and son are laying dead on the ground. Did you do that? No. Whaley's is a restaurant at Edisto that we ate at a lot of times. We got takeout from a lot of times. So I'm assuming it was in my search history, pulling up the restaurant. And I obviously was trying to call people or dialing, and I, I hit that. I wasn't doing any Google searches. Is that the way a phone works? When you're trying to make a phone call, you hit the phone icon and you start dialing. That was an actual Google search. It wasn't dialing Whaley's Restaurant. It was an actual Google search. Does that make sense to you, Sydney? Because it doesn't make sense. Okay, it makes sense to you that he did a Google search, but he was really using the phone? No. Okay, no. It does not make sense. Okay, there's more to it. But first, I'm hearing in my ear Dr. Michelle Dupree. Jump in, doctor. It does not make sense, Nancy. There's no way. I mean, how can you be, you know, within 20 minutes or whatever and standing beside your wife and your son's dead bodies and doing a Google search for anything, much less your favorite restaurant in Edisto? You know, Nancy. we also hear Murdoch. Nancy. Go, go ahead. I, I'm not sure who that Nancy. is, but I think it's Dr. Angie. Go ahead, doctor. Uh, you know, Nancy, another thing that we have to think about, too, if he was under the influence of drugs that night, Nancy, he's not going to remember, okay, we had dinner, we sat down, we had dinner, then I laid down and watched TV. Nancy, those aren't things that someone under the influence of drugs does. And then all of a sudden, the drugs are going to influence him and, and, as we've said, have him develop this paranoia about the police. So I don't believe that that's congruent either. Another thing that he said that was completely incongruent, if he was so concerned about the social media attacks that his son was apparently receiving, and then he just said, well, we just didn't do anything about it. We just, we just let that go. Nancy, that, that is an incongruent statement to say that the threats were so heinous, and then, but we just let that go. We call that an incongruent statement, Nancy, and I certainly hope the jury picked up on that. Nancy. Eric Bland, do you want it in? Go ahead. Yes. Uh, first of all, he did send a text message to CB Rowe before he called Buster at like 1038 saying, can you address the sunflower trees tomorrow? If somebody just killed your wife and your son and you only have one living child left, that would be my first phone call to say, son, Get to security, go to the nearest police department. I don't know what has happened, but your mother and your son were killed. Why would he let Buster be 40 minutes from a phone call, then get the phone call and permit Buster to drive with his girlfriend back to Mazelle if killers are in the area? You would tell your child, your only living child, Please go to the police department. Yeah, and right now. Now, I want you to hear more in our cut four. Take a listen to this. On June the 7th, I wasn't thinking clearly. I don't think I was capable of reason. And I lied about being down there. And I'm so sorry that I did. I'm sorry to my son, Buster. I'm sorry to Grandma and Papa T. 
I'm sorry to both of our families. Most of all, I'm sorry to Mags and Paul Paul. I would never intentionally do anything to hurt either one of them. Ever. As he's shaking his head, yes, intentionally. That's something Chris McDonough brought up earlier. I would never intentionally do anything to hurt either of them, ever. But if he's high out of his mind on opioids, in his mind, does that mean it wasn't intentional? But what caught my attention there is he says on the night of the murders, I wasn't thinking clearly. I don't think I was capable of reason. Yet, he could think clearly enough to lie, to save his own skin to police. And now he wants the jury to believe the story he's telling today. I mean, can they ignore the hard facts, the concrete, the cement facts of GPS, of phone data, uh, to you, uh, Dr. Angie, he says, I wasn't thinking clearly. Don't think I was capable of reason. Yet he was capable of lying about his own whereabouts. And this is within one hour of discovering the bodies. And Nancy, he was also capable about making some decisions. He decided he was going to go visit his mother. Why would you go visit your mother if you were incapable of making decisions that night? Why would you get in a car and drive? Why wouldn't you just stay on the couch and watch TV and rest and let every and and let everything go the way it was going that night? I think that's another one of his lies. And you know what, Nancy? I believe that the reason this man turns to lies is because that's the first thing that his brain does. He is a liar. And we've got to remember, if you're a liar, you're a liar, okay? You have to sort of believe that everything that they say is a lie, Nancy. They don't come up with the truth. That's why it is so easy for him to lie. To Eric Bland, high-profile lawyer in the area, and to Chris McDonough, star of the interview room, I want you to take a listen to Our Cut 10. And this is very significant. Our Cut 10. Listen. Your suburban and perhaps some of this OnStar GPS data that indicates that at some point in time in your mother's driveway, you stopped for about a minute. Do you recall seeing that data? I do. What were you doing when you stopped? Do I, was you getting, I was getting my phone that uh, I, I, my phone had gotten, there's a console in the middle of my car, and my phone had gotten down in the console, between the console and the seat where you couldn't get to it. Okay. Were you, during that minute or however long it was, were you disposing of murder weapons, Alan? No. Were you disposing of bloody clothes? No. So Eric Bland, if he says he's not the killer, that would make sense. He was not disposing of the weapons. He didn't have the murder weapons. But what about the, the clothes? Whatever did happen to those clothes? Well, you know, you're getting a lot of different stories. Supposedly Buster helped him clean out the house. He never went back there. That's been very convenient, even though he told Buster while he was in jail, hey, go back there and hunt. There's tons of corn. Here's the issue, Nancy. He is not telling the truth. Um, 
I can't remember if I drop my phone in my car. How's he going to remember it when he's high on opioids? You can't have it both ways, as one of your guests said. And I did an experiment the other day. I got one of those mini bottles, nope. mini yeah. bottles of water, and I threw it out the window. It's the same weight as my phone, and I slowed to 40 miles an hour, and I threw it out my passenger window. And guess what? It went almost 30 yards into the woods. Just thinking through everything that he's saying, let me go back to Dr. Angela Arnold, a renowned psychiatrist out of the Atlanta jurisdiction. They've closed. The clothing, that shirt, why is it the housekeeper can never find the shirt, he can't tell us where the shirt is, and they carefully did not address that in his direct examination? You know, Nancy, maybe they, maybe they don't want people to think about that, because why would, you not, why would you not address something? They want to gloss over it. I certainly hope that it is going to be, I hope it is going to be examined, because that seems like a very huge piece to this puzzle and again he can remember some things so beautifully and there are other things that he just has no recollection of which it it nancy it just tends to help us believe that he is truly a liar well another thing that he addressed remember when we heard all of the evidence and this is for you dr dupree all of that technical evidence about when he gets to the scene there's opening and closing and opening and closing opening and closing his door remember all that evidence that came from his car we had no idea your car recorded when you open the door, let the windows up and down, or put it in park, but it exists. I want you to take a listen to our cut 11, what he says he did when he found the bodies. What'd you see? So what y'all have seen pictures of. So bad. Can I have some water? <clears throat> Do you see them on the ground when you're pulling up in your Suburban? I did. I think I jumped out of my car. I'm not exactly sure what I did, but no, I got out of my car. I know I ran back to my car, called 911. I was on, I called 911. I was on the phone with 911 and I was trying to tend to Paul. I was trying to tend to Maggie. Were you um, going to Paul and Maggie while you were on the phone with the um, 911 operators? Yes. Okay. Does that explain all the opening and the closing of the doors? You see, at some point, Chris McDonough, he finally says, Well, I don't know what I was doing. Is that how they're going to explain that? You know, Nancy, I mean, if this could backfire uh, if the prosecution has uh, their questions, you know, dialed in here, uh, we may be calling this uh, gone with the win, W-I-N, uh, if it works correctly, because everything that he says, if we listen carefully, is I think. And but however, when it's convenient to him, then he knows, i.e. he gives this idea of I felt that night I knew I was a suspect and that at that point he then figured he would start his own parallel investigation to help out, you know, by giving directions in relationship to the GPS and all the information that we're hearing about. 
so when we see him uh, in these types of moments, in my opinion, you know, they're very carefully crafted in how he's delivering it, and they just seem in disingenuous. You know, Eric Bland, well, Nancy, I'll go to you on this. Well, you go first, <coughs> Dr. Michelle. Okay, well, so... Of course, he was not disposing of the clothes during that one minute. That was a carefully crafted question. He disposed of the clothes and the weapons when he drove around to Almeida and to the back of the house and was near that shed. So, again, I think this is working two ways. Alex is very carefully crafting his answers, but the de defense attorney then was also very carefully crafting the questions so that Alex could answer them in the pre-planned way. Eric, uh, I don't know how exactly to verbalize this, and I'm afraid I may be projecting about how I reacted when my fiancé was murdered just before our wedding. But I can compare this to a colleague of mine. I think you all know Mark Class. His daughter Polly was kidnapped from her own home, sex assaulted, and murdered. Cops came, of course, to him immediately. And he knows his daughter is gone. He says, here, take my fingerprints, search my place, search my office, search my car, do whatever you want. I'll give you my blood. I'll do anything you want so you can find who took my daughter. And I just find it very suspicious that at a time like this and, and Eric I, I have investigated tried covered pled literally thousands of cases and when parents act a certain way when they're protecting themselves they are guilty of something. I don't know what, but something is wrong. He should have been saying, listen, here, this is what happened. Maybe it looks bad. I don't care. But somebody killed my wife. Somebody killed my son. My boy is dead. Suspect me if you want, but this is what happened. But that's not what he did. I thought he would be out howling in the backyard out of pain. But no, he's lying to save himself. Listen. He got lawyered up. Those five lawyers came from his law firm. Yes, they wanted to be there to provide emotional support, but he was lawyered up. He told you from the start that he knew he was a suspect. Every father, every husband knows they're a first suspect and you want to eliminate yourself. So you say exactly what Mr. Claus said here, free reign, search, do whatever. I've been to Mizzell, uh, Nancy. I've been down every road in the swamp area. It's 1,800 acres, half of which are swamps. He could have hid his stuff and then later gone back and got it. You'll see in the Netflix series that guns were removed by John Marvin from the property. These are country people who know where to hide things. He was not open. He was not uh, cooperative in my eyes that a father and a husband would be if their child and their wife were murdered. Nobody has more experience than Nancy Grace. You, your, your sixth sense tells you something's wrong here, Nancy. You know, another thing, if my son was lying there dead and my other son was somewhere else, the first thing I would say is, you got to find my boy, Buster. You got to get him somewhere safe. That's the number one thing I got to do right now. We never heard one word about protecting Buster. And you've got to ask yourself why. Guys, they're going back in the courtroom. Guys, the, the jury is about to come back in. We're going straight back in. Thank you, everybody. We're going back in the courtroom. Stay with us.
Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free at 